Welcome back to the Packy Run Podcast. My name is AJ. I ordered Wendy's like 20 minutes ago before we started recording, so we're probably going to pause so I can wolf down a burger, log in Pina. You need a uh, Wendy's trash can, that Roswell kid song? I am a Wendy's trash can, Dan. <laughs> yes, I am Dan. You only keep New Year's resolutions for the first month of the year. Mayot. Wait, what? <laughs> because remember the state of the pack run where we were like, yep, guys, we're going to be good this year. We're going to every other week minimum. And then we were really good about it. And then nothing. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of reasons, uh, personal <laughs> um, per- personal life reasons for your boy and some professional. Mine has mostly been professional, although honestly, I haven't had any good reasons. Um, I, I don't know. I work some nights, but but hey, whatever. Regardless, yeah. we're back. We're back. We're going to be better. Yeah, we're going to we're going to keep the train rolling. We always do. And uh, we we have a couple things to talk about in this episode. Um, Man, we quite got, a bit. We got quite a bit has happened. Stuff. We never got to actually talk about the Super Bowl. Um, which, by the way, good game. Congrats, LA uh, Rams for Man, that the was, victory. That was that was a great game. I like top to bottom. I think the last episode that we did was kind of the predictions episode for the Super Bowl. And you know, I said I think this is going to be one of the better games, uh, especially Super Bowl that we're going to see kind of in our lifetimes and it it did not disappoint it plenty of plenty of fireworks a lot of you know the chess match kind of you know nitty-gritty of football um the halftime show was just awesome it was awesome it was really good um yeah there was drama there was you know a late game score um i think the story of that game was you know Bengals offensive line just couldn't keep joe burrow up um yeah. just looking at it um you don't lose a game on one play yeah. uh it's it's a collective team thing and i mean they just didn't do enough to win but you know hats off to the rams you know congratulations you guys deserved it yep they did the thing can't you know good for matt stafford happy to see him get a ring after you know basically an entire career where he was doomed to fail that's yeah wasting away yeah just uh like a true revenge tour you know you spend that much time in detroit and you're just getting beaten down all the time and nobody really took him seriously um and then the trade that brought him to the Rams kind of like blew up that entire offseason. You know, that really that really made the quarterback market difficult. Um, yeah, it so really did. In some ways, thank you, Matt Stafford, for landing the Patriots' Mac Jones, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, that was one domino to fall. Um, I think before we talk more about football, um, what have you been up to, man? Man, um, mostly just work. Um it's starting to pick up a little bit. We've had we've had some uh, some developments that have really made the slow season kind of die away, um, and now it's just going to be a slow ramp up until um, around the fall, where I'll really start seeing. I'll start seeing kind of the brunt of uh, everything that my job has to offer. Oh, and for then, sure. Yeah, uh, uh, personal life's been a little bit of a mess. It's been a it's been a back and forth, and um, 
relationships or as it turns out, not relationships are difficult and make you want to hide away and watch the same TV shows that you've been watching for 20 years on a loop. Yeah, that kind of does that. You know, uh, I was going to say that I'm coping, but honestly, like I'm pretty good. I've one, one good thing that's come out of it has just been the i've got a i've got a pretty decent support system now so you know previously when i was down here and in situations like this it was really kind of brutal and it really had me sitting back and just being alone but now i've got I've got some good friends and I've got some good professional opportunities and there's good people that I can hang around and do some stuff. So who knows what's next, but your boy is, your boy is doing the thing. Yeah. I mean, that's good. Yeah. And how about you, Mr. Mayot? Well, you know, usually this time, like January, February, historically for me have been the slowest months of the year for me. And, you know, for, for like a while, yeah, it was pretty slow, but you know, with, I work with a music institution in Boston. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, you probably know what it is because I post about it and you know, we are ramping up for our summer season and it's been quite a bit, you know, I've been working from home a lot more, which is kind of nice in a way. Um, no, like trying to stay adventurous with that. And I mean, like, I like my job. It's the hybrid model and it keeps me busy. It's always, I'm always on my toes. Um, today we had our general on sale and, and our queues are open from, cause I work either in the box office itself or I work in a call center from home and you know some of our wait times for this week and for our general busy days for on sale concerts it's like a two-hour wait with <sighs> with like a phone yeah um brutal brutal to see that <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like holy crap how are we going to get that down yeah like so, brutal brutal to be on the receiving end of the phones like i worked i worked phones for most of like the big COVID shutdown and man, like I wasn't physically doing much. I was sitting at this desk and doing pretty much exactly what we're doing, but mentally it just takes a toll. And then, you know, the flip side of that coin is for your customers, man. They like sitting, uh, sitting on hold and waiting so that you can talk to somebody about whatever the hell is going on. Like, I mean, at least in my case, it's, I mean, in your case, it's people having a struggle with their technology that they need you to fix. Yeah. My my issue is like people are excited to buy concert tickets. They want they they really want to like I don't I don't deal with a lot of jerks, which which is kind of nice. Like what I like about working in box office and I like working in music in general is when you're working at a venue, everyone wants to be there. Everyone paid money to be in that room and they want they want to be there. They're not like the thing with when you when you're on the phone with Verizon for three hours and you're having a problem with you're in an internet or something like that, you you're frustrated and you want that just to be fixed. Yeah. In this case it's just like you want it to be fixed, but you're happy because you want to be, you're frustrated because you want to enjoy the experience. Yeah. And that's, that's one of those things kind of like I was, it kind of ties into what I was just talking about. Um, It's really, it's really nice to be like, 
like back in that headspace, especially when it comes to shows. Like it's so it's so nice and just like sounds uh, kind of cliche and melodramatic, I guess. But like it's so pure, like live music and the way that it makes people feel is so pure and it's so fucking nice to be around that again no it's awesome like it's it's a really amazing feeling um the sense of community the you just everyone wants everyone's there and is a fan of that band or i mean in some cases they want to become they will become a fan of that band after seeing them well yeah and like so a couple of weeks ago i got to see um I didn't actually stick around long enough to actually see Brian Fallon from the Gaslight Anthem, but I saw the two opening bands, Warriors and Hurry, I think they were. Oh, um, two good bands. Yeah. And my friend Autumn is doing merch for Warriors on that tour. And it was just a, like, it was such a cool reminder to be back in that spot, like going to the venue, getting to the gig, getting your tickets, um, or in this case, guest lists, because... I'm special. Um, but no, just that it, it was like a weird little reminder of just like, oh yeah, like two years of being outside of this and even a little bit longer being in Nashville and having to kind of like break into a scene, right? Like getting yeah. getting to the gig and being like, man, this is my friend who lives clear across the country who's doing merch and I get to hang out with them. And the only reason we're friends is because of the music scene. Like that shit, it, like that, it's so cool. <laughs> and I right. missed that a shit ton. I remember bef before COVID, I best show I've ever been to and hands down was the Jonas Brothers. I worked <laughs> it at, I worked it at Barclays Arena and it was honestly, it like, you know, that kind of energy was amazing. I've never been to a concert where the ground was literally shaking. Yeah. And I've been to some of the craziest hardcore and punk shows, but like I've never felt that kind of energy before. It was fantastic. Yeah. And it's funny how it's funny how quickly like being locked up in our homes and not being able to like do or see that kind of thing it has been it has been kind of funny to like re-enter that world and be like it only took a year and a half two years to forget what that feels like and it's so much it's so much cooler now to be back into that um i think i mentioned it on the podcast that i went to go see free throw um two months ago or something like that they played at exit in down here in nashville and like mm -hmm. I hopped in the pit for a couple of songs and just that like that feeling of community and everybody bouncing around and everything else like man I had I had come that close to forgetting what that rush feels like and that that's that's the good shit right there. I mean, I think that's why so many people also love sports because it's kind of an escape from like that reality of like you could be having the shittiest day, but going to like a Patriots game or going going to a concert at night, it kind of just lifts you up and makes you puts you in a better headspace and a better mood. I have had that conversation with so many people um, on Which both. Which is why I love both of them. I yeah. love both of them. Yeah, on bo uh, like on both sides of that argument too. Like I know a bunch of music people that are like, "Oh yeah, go sports," and you know they try to be all like detached and ironic and whatever about it. But like those are the same people that are going to shows, and I'm like, these are the same things. Like that sense of community and just like everybody getting together to go watch the thing and be like be a part of the thing. That's those those things are exactly the same. There's a reason why, especially when you grow up, like people that grow up 
with music are attached to albums and songs and artists like on a really emotional level and you and i having the benefit of being raised in the boston area we get it's the exact same feeling that like it's in your blood it's any it's anybody from any town i mean like being attached to like a song or an album it's the same as being attached to a particular player or a particular team um like Troy Brown will always hold a special place in my heart because I loved watching him grow up. Uh, same thing with seeing the Wonder Years. Um, I'm seeing them in like two weeks perform like the Upsides and Suburbia. I've given you all like same sort of deal. Like I've I've connected. I connect to both of those things and see both of them as the, as the same thing. Watching watching the Tuck Rule play gives me the exact same feeling as. You know, earlier today when I was at work and cute without the E by taking back Sunday comes on the speaker and it's like, yep, that immediately like time, place, smell, taste, like every part of your senses is immediately like I remember. And damn. Yeah, that shit's the same. This this is a deep way to start the podcast. Yes, it is. But it's also a great kind of re-entry because um, I've been talking to people for the past couple of weeks about the fact that I do a podcast and pretty much everybody that I've talked to has been like, really? Like you guys cover the Patriots and punk music. Like those seem like two different things. They're not. This is... I mean, there's similarities. I mean, s- surface level, absolutely. Absolutely. Like... There are there are definitive differences there, but I think it's a by human nature we all want to be part of a community. We all want to be a part of something, whether it's a like, and you're part of a fan base in sports and also in music. I see it's the same thing. It humans need is. to connect to other humans. Yeah, and you know it gives us stuff to bullshit about and record and put out for consumption. Yes. So that you guys can feel like part of the Packy Run community. What are we drinking tonight? Oh, what are we drinking tonight? There's a good one. I recorded my crack. uh, (laughs) You pre-record your crack? I pre-recorded my crack. Um, Because you didn't want to wait for me. Yeah, it's it's been a day. Tomorrow is going to be another day. So I figured I'd get a head start. Um, That's fair. I am drinking, as our friend Josh would say, El Clasico. I've got 24 stone cold fluid ounces of Pabst Blue Ribbon that I have conveniently poured into my Samuel Adams Perfect Pour glass. And uh, it's hitting the spot. I was going to say it's tasty, but it's PBR. So you know what it is, but... Yeah, yeah, it's PBR. We're living. I'm drinking a Modelo, you know, ah. just walked down walked down to the store, um, wanted a tall boy. Um, I also, I don't know if I'm going to get into it tonight, but I also got a ginger ale and a shot of Jameson. Ah, a little, a, a nip of Jameson. Which, you know, you gotta, you gotta, apparently they're going to get rid of nips soon, allegedly. Um, but you know, um, might not get into that tonight. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Got, we got good choices, good choices all around. All right, let's get into some football news. We alluded to it a little bit earlier. Um, but let's talk more about football because a lot of things have happened this week between Calvin Ridley getting suspended. Crazy. Um, there have been Calvin Noy was released from the Patriots. Um, huge loss, but thank you for your service. For the second time. There are 
for the second time. There are reports that Amari Cooper is being released by the Cowboys and connected with the Patriots. And last but not least, we have Aaron Rodgers going back to Green Bay and Russell Wilson pending a trade to the Broncos. So let's start with, let's go in order. Um, Ridley. It's... you know, yeah. initially, I, initially, I was like, I was like, damn, that kind of sucks. But like after hearing, um, after hearing what Pat McAfee said, because for those of you who don't know who Mac, Pat McAfee is, um, he's a former Colts punter and hosts a very popular YouTube like sports talk show. Uh, he has Aaron Rodgers come onto his show. He has like many really good yes go on. And he was like, yeah, it's harsh, but you he knew what he was getting into. There's signs all over the practice facility and everywhere saying, do not gamble. If you gamble, like you're compromising the whole sport and the whole game. Yeah. And in that regard, I, you know, it sucks that the NFL cares more about gambling than it does about domestic violence and all these other issues. But when you play with the NFL's money, they will just, they will fuck you. They'll, they'll, they'll yank it right out. Yep. Right. Like they have no choice, but to, but to, uh, suspend him for a year. He has to. And you know, it may like, it may, it makes sense. The suspension makes sense. Like the fact that he was punished and like all of that makes sense. It is it does give me a little bit pause. Uh, it gives me a little bit of pause to sit there and think about the fact that like he was betting on his own team. Like it wasn't like he was trying to throw games or anything else, but I get where that is absolutely a slippery slope, you know, like you can't, yeah, de- you can't do that. Like there has to be a harsh like line in the sand there. Um, but you know, a talented player, you'd like to see him, you'd like to see him come back and try and rehabilitate a little bit. Um, because at least it wasn't the one silver lining is just like it wasn't like he was trying to throw games or anything as far as we know it was just yeah you don't gamble you don't you don't do that he shouldn't have done it yeah. in the first place but at least he wasn't you know the integrity of his game still stands i guess for whatever that's worth right and even pat mcafee came out and said like look i get when when i retired yeah i started to gamble because I like to gamble, but during the foot, like when you're in the NFL, they make it pretty clear to every single person that goes into that locker room, like any person in an NFL space, you cannot gamble. You cannot do it. It, it fucks up everything. Um, it's the biggest football league. You are, when you gamble, it puts in the possibility that you're throwing games and people are not going to trust the NFL. Yeah. I get it. I think the punishment for domestic violence and all those other things, yes, there's an argument to be made. Those should have a harsh penalty as well, but it's we're kind of comparing like apples and pizza here. It's different it's different things. Yeah. Completely different things. And I mean, I'm I hope that with the NFL's lawsuit that Brian uh Flores filed, Stephen um God, what's his name? I hope the owner of the Dolphins also gets a harsh penalty as well. Like for if if that does come out to be true, those allegations are true. Like I I hope he gets the book thrown at him too. And for those of you that don't know, it was the owner or the GM of the Dolphins who was allegedly paying. He was trying to. He was offering a hundred thousand dollars to Brian Brian Flores. 
for every loss so they would get a higher draft pick. I mean, I think that's way worse. I mean, yeah. where's your integrity there with like the game? Yeah. That fucks up everything. Exactly. Just like Calvin Ridley. So both are wrong. Yep. Just it doesn't matter if you um bet fifteen hundred dollars or a dollar. You no. It's not how it goes. No. And I mean it's especially with the way that legislation is going going on in the United States with sports betting being more prevalent this is going to send this is a message loud and clear you nope even though it's legal don't do it don't do it it's the same thing with like you can't when you work for a company there are certain things you cannot do yeah it's a, it's it's the same thing no different than you know government officials should not be able to use their insider knowledge to deal in the stock market that's not how not how this works that's not how it's supposed to work should be a level it should be a level playing field yes across the board um next thing kyle van Noy. unless you had something else to add no i'm uh, we're in lockstep on that one just kind of a bummer because he was tied <laughs> on a much lesser note a much less important note you know ridley was tied as a target for the patriots and that would have been i think that would have been a pretty cool fit um, but would have been a great fit, but you know, congrats to the Falcons for not, not dumping him when he was in trouble. They were like, you know what I mean? Yeah. They weren't like, Oh yeah, we'll trade you him. Like, yeah, trade him away and hope for the best and then get suspended for a year. Yeah. I mean, thankfully they didn't do that. Nobody, they were like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kyle Van Noy being released to free up some cap space. Uh, so as a Patriots fan, like, yep, makes perfect sense. We need, we need some of that. We need some of that money. We need some overhead to make some moves on both sides of the ball. And he's a classic cap casualty. Uh, as a Kyle Van Noy fan, that's a lot of turnover for one player in like four years. For sure. Especially um, a player who has been pretty consistently just He's never been, I don't think he's ever been like top of the pack. No, but never just like a guy who's been consistently productive and does his job. Like it sucks to see him with the Patriots and then to get dealt away. And then Belichick had some mad scientist shit going on where we ended up with draft picks because we got him back and now he's off the roster again. Like, man, you do you, the Kyle Van Noy, the person you kind of got a feel for. Um, but for sure. hey, man, football's a business and it makes total sense that we would dump that it dump that cap space i i'm going to say this patriots are going to make more cuts and they're going to be tough oh there's i i think this is the tip of the iceberg with some of the moves we're going to make to really bolster the team i think and i use a couple different websites to do this there's a website where you can use to like cut and add players or whatever and right now, where it sits, Patriots have 11 mil in cap space, which that's not a lot to play with. Yeah, no. Um, and I mean, after the big spending that we had last year, I don't want to say that we have buyer's remorse just yet. I want to, I'm still holding out. I want, Jonu Smith needs to have a bigger role next year. Otherwise, we cannot justify that contract at all. Yeah. I mean, he was only, we only had... We only had two tight end sets 12% of the time last year on offense. We got to get him involved. Otherwise, Johnny Smith is a waste. Um, 
I see us cutting, and I don't have the exact numbers of their contracts right here, but Shaq Mason has no guaranteed money left on his contract. And another cut that would add some more cap space to the Patriots would be Jonathan Jones. That would bring us up to right around 21 mil. And given that Devin McCourty, Hightower, James White, and also Devin McCourty, Jason White, uh, Matthew Slater, all those guys want to come back to the Patriots. We can't sign them all. Yeah, unless they restructure and we get some team-friendly deals. Wendy's time. Wendy's time. Wendy's time, it's baby. Wendy's time. Um, but there's no way the Patriots can re-sign all those guys back. I can see a world where Matthew Slater signs the minimum, maybe get back. Like, I, I, Also, not only those guys are free agents, but Jacoby Myers is a free agent. We have Jawan Bentley, also a free agent. You know, we got to... And this isn't even mentioning JC Jackson, who I think at this point is as good as gone. Yeah. If if I had to be honest, yeah, which I is think a shame. I think it's a. I think it's sad. I think you know you got to get them checks. So I'm not mad, but you would have liked to see him around because he's been so productive. But at some point, you got to sit back and you know the money is the money. And welcome to the NFL. And if he wants to get paid, historically, the Patriots are not the place to go and do that. No, they're not. I mean. It's it's tough, but Belichick has found his way. If if there's any position Belichick has been really good at evaluating, it's been defensive backs. I mean, he has gotten a lot of those undrafted gems like Malcolm Butler. He I think JC Jackson was also like undrafted as well. I believe so. Stefan Stefan Gilmore was undervalued when we we first signed him. Severely. And look how he turned out. I mean, Devin McCourty, fantastic. One of the best Patriots players in the past decade. Level consistency. Like, I'm not so concerned about that. Yeah, for all the for all the money troubles, I'm not really concerned about the defensive side of the ball. I only want a linebacker. I want that defensive line needs to get bolstered up. Pretty pretty badly. Pretty badly. I mean, it's not going into this draft, it's linebacker, wide receiver, corner in that particular order. And then we need to hope and pray that we get like a fully healthy, fully functioning Matthew Judon this coming season. Because for sure that was it doesn't. Yeah, like that was definitely he was definitely lacking uh, the back half of past season. For sure he was. And it right now, I know it's going to sound crazy right now. It doesn't make sense to cut Nikhil Harry because his cap hit doesn't really help the Patriots in any sort of way. If you're going to cut somebody from that draft, cut Jawan Williams. For the love of God, he hasn't done anything. When when was the last time you heard Jawan Williams' name said in a game? Cut him. He also isn't owed any more guaranteed money. Yeah, I Nikhil's kind of an interesting facet of all of this because like I think pretty much all of Patriots nation agrees like the guy's got to go but you can't cut him because you're just going to end up with dead money but who who's going to trade for him though like what team would want him based on his film and like what would we get in return we would get a sixth or seventh round pick which i mean better than nothing i guess but uh... well and historically our late round picks have been pretty okay but is anybody even really willing to give up draft capital for Nikhil harry i mean if i was 
a coach like, let's say, like Kyle Shanahan, I would take a flyer on him. Like a creative offensive coach like Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, sure. But Kyle Shanahan probably has some bigger problems to deal with, though. No, he does. He doesn't need a they just can't stay healthy. But that's besides the point. I I'm a little worried of what the Patriots are going to do with the lack of cap space going into this season. Now, I am also a little bit worried, but I think the flip side of that coin is the fact that we had a very new team this past season. Like Even a lot of our quote-unquote veteran players were not veterans of the Patriots. So offensively, players like Hunter Henry or Nelson Aguilar, we might see them really take a step up. And if they take a step up, that solves... Not all of our problems, not even most of our problems, but a decent amount of our problems. So if we don't make massive splashes this offseason with a bunch of moves and acquisitions and things like that, there's reason for hope. There's positivity to be found there. That's for sure. I mean, sometimes the best move is no move at all. Like, take this season with um, like the 49ers, for example. They took a big step up, mostly because they were healthy. And also, Debo Samuel was a beast. Really came into his own. Really came into his own. I think we can talk more about this and potential free agent moves. Actually, free agency is next week. Oh, how the time flies. Oh, yes. But we'll see. We'll see what uh, ends up ends up happening. Keep you apprised right. with our hot takes. Oh, boy. What was the next thing that I said at the top? I think the next one up was uh, Mr. Aaron Rodgers. Do the eye roll from everybody in the audience. Oh, boy. Well, Aaron Rodgers going back to the Packers, which that's interesting. Um, I think it's a little bit of a bitch move, if we're being honest. I mean, I think it's interesting how Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers was like the first domino to fall. And then immediately, like an hour later, we get the the news that Russell Wilson is going to the uh, Broncos. Yeah. So because the Bron- the Broncos were in the talks to try to get Aaron Rodgers for like a little bit. And I think they were just like, yep, fuck it. We'll just pull the trigger on this one. Let's let's go all in with that one. Yeah, so I'd be interested to find out were the Broncos sitting and waiting on Rodgers and they just couldn't make the deal happen? Like- Apparently, a- according to reports, they they weren't waiting for Aaron Rodgers, but like, come on. Let's let's be honest. I think they were. Yeah. And I can't blame them. I just so take like take Tom Brady three, three or four years at the end of his Patriots career. There was all of this talk and all this speculation about the Bill Belichick, Tom Brady divorce. Right. And there was no confirmation. There was no anything. If you watched any of if you watched any of the press conferences, like neither Brady nor Belichick was talking about any kind of trade moving on unhappiness, really anything like that. And then you get Aaron Rodgers and it feels like it's been 10 years of Aaron Rodgers being fed up with Green Bay. There's been a couple of times where he's taken swipes at, you know, coaches, the team, staff, all of that. Well, I think Aaron Rodgers was fine up until they drafted Jordan Love. Yeah, I've heard that. As soon as they draft, as soon as they drafted Jordan Love, everything went sour. And I mean, similar to Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo. Are you going to choose me or are you going to choose him? And I want him out. So there was fake reports that Aaron Rodgers was taking a four-year, $200 million contract, which that was like 
reported by Adam Scheffler or like Ann Rappaport or like another pretty reliable name. big name, reliable like NFL name. And then Aaron Rodgers and Pat McAfee show were, were like, that's false. That, that that was never, that's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like he is, I think it's, it's an interesting thing. It's pushing a narrative that Aaron Rodgers only cares about money. And I think that's wrong. I think Aaron Rodgers does care about winning and he just wanted to be, he wants to be wanted. Yeah. I think that's, that's a very, I think that's what everyone doesn't matter who you are. That's what you always want. You want to always be wanted and appreciated. Yeah. It just, it, it just makes you roll your eyes a little bit. And maybe I'm just a victim of listening to like the rest of the NFL media a little bit too much, but man, for years now it's been, where's Aaron Rodgers going to end up? What's his deal with his contract? How is he feeling in Green Bay? He seems to be unhappy with Green Bay. He's made it public that he's unhappy here and blah, 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 blah. <coughs> and now we get, oh yeah, he re-signed $200 million contract. Like he's staying in Green Bay. Like, Well, except that report is fake. <laughs> But he is, but he is so staying in Green Bay. Yeah, he is staying in Green Bay, just not for that contract. Bobby, that, do we have a do we have a number for him yet? So no numbers have officially been reported, and I think it sets up for. I mean, Aaron Rodgers going back to Green Bay is setting up an interesting off season where we've we've seen another domino fall. And I think one of the other dominoes that's going to fall is Jordan Love. Will he be traded? This quarterback draft is not good. And, you know, Jordan Love hasn't looked good in his appearances, but I bet a team will will spend a second round pick on him. They'll trade a second round pick for Jordan Love just to see like, okay, well... If he's not our guy, he's not our guy, but second round pick is not that substantial. You know, I wouldn't be surprised, and this has nothing to do with Jordan Love's play or really anything. It's just the thought that's in my mind. I wouldn't be surprised to see some sort of quote unquote blockbuster trade involving Jordan Love that kind of changes the landscape of the offseason. Very similar to the way that we were talking about at the beginning. You know, Matt Stafford, he was with the Lions. He clearly had a decent amount of talent with the Lions, but there wasn't a lot of game film that really had you sitting back and being like Matt Stafford, right? Especially, I mean, he had plenty. He had plenty of film, though. He, Jordan he had, Love he has had only a had. Lot, he had a lot of film, but still, like being with the Lions and having that kind of cross to bear, right? When Matt Stafford got traded to the Rams last offseason for the absolute insane deal that that was, that kind of changed the landscape of that offseason, and I wouldn't be surprised if somehow Jordan Love is involved with whatever the equivalent of that is this year. Like something weird, something crazy, some sort of transaction that kind of defines this offseason the way that Matt Stafford's trade defined last offseason. I mean, we've already seen it. Well, <laughs> yeah, which we've, we've already we we've we've already seen well, it. Let's, I don't let's think let's dive Jordan, in because uh, yeah, anarchy, chaos, name name a word. What the what the hell, Denver? Well, I, and my last point about Jordan Love, I don't think there will be a blockbuster trade involving him. I think it will be similar to Carson Wentz being traded, like a second round pick. Someone will will see him and be like, okay, you know what? I'll try that. But the Denver Broncos trading for Russell Wilson. Let's get up the trade details. I'm sure everyone has seen them at this point. Russell Wilson and a fifth rounder, I believe, is what they received. So Broncos receive Russell Wilson in a 
2022 fourth rounder. Seahawks receive Drew Locke, Noah Fant, Shelby Harris. Uh, the 2022 picks the first rounder and the second and fifth rounds and 2023 picks in the first and second rounds. And I I made this point in the Discord server. Um, Roger is a clown. Um, if you're not part of that Discord, what are you doing? You should be a part of it. Reach Shout out, out to Sean. Reach out to uh, reach out to Master Seanikins. Yes. Um, but I made this point that the Rams have proven this year that I mean the the let's face it let's think about the draft in a really realistic way it's a crapshoot you don't know what you're gonna get there are so many different factors on a player success why they're going to be good and why they're not going to be good sometimes it's the player itself sometimes it's injuries sometimes it's just the system that they're ran in. And you don't need draft high draft picks to to compete in a Super Bowl. And they want to like the Rams have been successful in that regard, trading for um, Von Miller, trading for Jalen Ramsey, trading for Matthew Stafford. You name it, they've done it. And they haven't had a first round pick in the last five years. And look at them now; they've won a Super Bowl. Broncos. I don't think they gave up too much for, in this trade. That's my opinion. Um, I think the noteworthy loss in this trade is Noah Fant. I think he's a fantastic tight end, but the Broncos can give that up with a good, they have a good tight end behind him in Albert Okoibinam. <laughs> what a name. What a name. Um, but, and yeah, that's, what are you thinking? I'm thinking... Man, because I said a lot there. <laughs> I don't disagree with you, but I also think uh, it's difficult. Russ, Russ hasn't done a ton. He's got his, he's got his Super Bowl under his belt. He's got multiple Super Bowls under his belt, but he's got, he's got the ring, right? Right. But the ring that he got, it could be argued, was very much riding the coattails of. The Legion of Boom. I mean, he played a part. It's a team play, sport. To play devil's advocate for the sake of argument, and this is going to piss off a lot of people. Um, the same can be made for Brady earlier in his career. Oh, absolutely. With, with the defense, like Brady, I love Brady, but he did not. He probably in that first Super Bowl, he probably didn't deserve that Super Bowl MVP. To be honest, second MVP, yeah, he did enough. And I mean, their defense, all three of those first Super Bowls, fantastic. They were great. You can't dispute that. No, I think the difference there is that Brady has never been, Brady was never, Brady won MVP for a myriad of reasons, but Brady never won the MVP for being the best athlete on that field. And it's the same reason why Brady is the greatest of all time. He's not the greatest quarterback of all time because of his athleticism. It's not because like his arm is great. Some might argue above average, but I would say his arm is pretty good. Like definitely above average thing with Tom Brady that makes him the greatest of all time is the fact that having him on the field is having your offensive coordinator sitting under center. The way that he can manipulate his own team and read a defense and react to that, that's what makes him the greatest of all time. He is he is an offensive coordinator. Russell Wilson is not that, and he needs... I would say that Russell Wilson needs more pieces to make an offense work than Brady ever did. I think that's probably pretty fair to say. 
and he's he's fallen short so many times he just hasn't been able to put he hasn't been able to put it together so the price that denver paid to get him seems i think it doesn't pass the eye test but i also totally understand why that's the price point that he went at given the fact that i think a lot of the reason why denver had to give up so many pick like denver had to give up a bunch of capital to get him i think part of the reason why is that like it's also branding like it's exciting to have russell wilson as your quarterback and you have to pay a premium to have that for sure it is so i think that price has less to do with talent and more to do with the hype that he might actually bring to denver i mean i will say this Brady had better offensive lines in his prime than Russ did. Russ oh. had better wide receivers and better better weapons, but Russ never had a solid offensive line. Well, and it's why for three, like the past three seasons, you know, heading into the season, the preseason games, stuff like that, like the national media was all, oh, the Seahawks, Super Bowl contender. Every time Seahawks are looking great, Super Bowl contender, they're going to be great. Let Russ cook. They're going to do the thing. And then it turns out, Oh, actually, uh, their offensive line is Swiss cheese and Russ can only do so much. So, I mean, I, I think Russell Wilson is one of the more disrespected players in the NFL. And I don't think a lot of people really appreciate his greatness and how good he has been for the past like couple of years, even behind a terrible offensive line. Well, and I think... I think that's a good point. I mean, credit where credit is due. I think it's one of the things, I think just in terms of sheer games, Patrick Mahomes has probably had more success in his young career, but... I mean, that's undeniable. But we we don't get Patrick Mahomes, you know, drafted and taken seriously as a starter. Like, I don't think Patrick Mahomes really gets the start that he got if it weren't for the fact that Russell Wilson really laid the groundwork for, you know, a true mobile quarterback like that. Well, I mean, Russell Wilson... Wilson wasn't even supposed to, I mean, he was a third round pick. He, I mean, the guy is 5'11". He's not that much taller than me and you. We'd probably be looking eye to eye. Like, you know, a lot of people saw him as just undersized. I love Russell Wilson. He is one of my favorite players in the NFL just to watch. And also like, I just, for storylines too. Yeah, it's a little bit, it would have been, it would have been cool. I think because as we know, I'm a fan of the story. It would have been cool to see him win another ring with Seattle. It would have been cool to see them put it together and to have another, not dynasty, but, you know, him and Pete Carroll. That just would have, you know, especially a couple of years down the line, would have made for some good documentaries and stuff. Um, but welcome to the NFL. Any given Sunday or Tuesday or whenever that trade got announced. Um, yeah. Yeah. Good, uh, good luck to him in the Broncos. I, I think that team still I'm, needs a decent amount of work to make this trade worth their while. But I hey. mean... There's already a better offensive line in Denver. They had the ninth best offensive line, according to Pro Football Focus. And I mean, Russell Wilson has worked with offensive lines that have been the bottom four for the past couple of years. It's going to be nice to see him working in a really good, um, a good system. Yeah. And I mean... Pete Carroll, I mean, they were at odds together. They had to end their relationship there. They just weren't working together. And honestly, when there were the talks about the trades last year of all the major quarterbacks of Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and everyone like that, I I pounded the table for Russell Wilson. That's who I wanted the Patriots to trade for. Unfortunately, didn't happen, but I'm happy with Mac Jones. I'm, 
I'm definitely happy with Mac Jones. I think I might have been happier with Russell Wilson. I know that we had had that conversation and somebody can dig into the archives and find if we talked about that on the podcast or not. I think I would have been happier with Russell Wilson with more like short-term gains. Um, yeah. But I like... I know that I pounded the table for Deshaun Watson as well, but... <laughs> look how that turned out. I mean, look how that turned out. And also like, I mean, we're going to have to see with that. He does have a court date... Right now, it's March 10th on a Thursday. He is set to have a court date tomorrow. See. So we'll see how that works out, how that turns out for everyone involved. Um, I don't think I would want him anywhere near my team, even if he was available. Um, no way at this point. Exactly. Um, but yeah, that is that is the latest news with the NFL there's been a, oh, Khalil Mack from the Chicago Bears traded to the uh, the Los Angeles Chargers. That's a big trade. Yep. They're getting another pass rusher. I mean, Khalil Mack next to Joey Bosa, that's... Dangerous. That's dangerous. And I mean, that AFC West is going to be a lot of fun to watch next year. It's going to be a physical division for sure. Oh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a bloodbath and I can't, I can't wait to watch it. I'm going to watch every single game. I'm ready. <sighs> So I think that wraps up everything football related. Talk about some music. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, let's just it's been a month. So let's just start with what are we listening to? What's what's coming up daily? What are we trending towards? What's what's on the playlists? All right. Well, for me, I have been I've been fucking around with a MIDI computer. Um, basically, I, I I'm trying to com- I'm trying to make a MIDI hardcore project, and you know it's interesting so far. But I'm I'm still trying to go through the flow of it. So I've just been listening to a lot of hardcore to try to draw inspiration from that. Yeah, that's you and I have talked off the podcast about this. Uh, I'm super excited about it. I want to get in on this and help with some production stuff and maybe drop in a few overdubs or whatever. Um, let's let's make a well, hardcore record. I, I I already have an idea, and I'm just gonna say it on the podcast because I'm I'm excited about it. Anyone can steal this idea, by the way. Um, but just credit me. Um, what I want to do is to the buildup of a heart, like uh, to a breakdown. I want it to be. Um, I want it to go silent, and then it goes. I will, like the. It's like the Dennis. Dennis from like it's always sunny. He's like, I will unleash a thousand <laughs> from a kraken, <laughs> and then it just goes into this, and then it just goes into this brutal like beat down like <laughs> uh, breakdown. <laughs> So, so this is definitely going to be a joke hardcore record. It probably will be. Star, stars um, fell on style. I will unleash a thousand krakens from a crusher. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It has to have like the little, the little China that like the ding. <laughs> I love it. I love every part of it. Uh, I, I still have to figure out how to, how to uh, properly do a good breakdown with a MIDI, um, We'll see. We'll see how that works. (laughs) Yeah, with the MIDI setup. Um, But it's a lot of... Uh, if you haven't listened to this band, uh, they they were one of the big hardcore bands when right when I, you know, it, it sucks when you first get into hardcore and then they immediately break up. That's that's such a fucking shame. But um, I've been listening to a lot of Hammer Bros. Their 
first album, The Vitality, is so fucking good. There, like the opening rift to Legion is one of the sickest. I don't know. Like that's one of the best songs. One of the best hardcore songs ever written, in my opinion. And you should definitely check that band out. Um, been trying to just draw from different hardcore bands that I grew up listening to. So that's one of them. Um, the past, the past like month, I've also fallen pretty hard into, um, fallen pretty hard into the hardcore kind of realm of music. Um, Drug Church has a new album that comes out tomorrow, I believe. Um, so listening through their discography, um, Drug Church, for those who don't know, uh, same they share a vocalist with Self Defense Family, which is definitely more like experimental kind of punk. Um, they are definitely... They're not hardcore, but they're hardcore kind of adjacent, like 90s. Holy trend! (laughs) Self-defense family. I, uh, oh, that's so fucking funny. That should be the cold open. Now that I have the audio, that's, oh, Dan, perfect. Um, yeah, Self-Defense Family has a song called Holy Trend that is just the most ridiculous, like, barking vocal with, like, a weird droney kind of instrumental and the guys that run for cover poked a little fun at it uh on tuesdays with tay which i've rewatched all of tuesdays with tay uh a youtube series that run for cover records used to put out every tuesday with their shipping manager tay um oh man yeah that's (laughs) i've watched so much tuesdays with tay i forgot about it and i love it so much um, yeah, no. So listening to a lot of drug church, um, basically anything that Pat Kinlan has worked on, he's got a bunch of podcasts, uh, some of which are available, some of which he deleted. Um, he's got self-defense family. He's got drug church. He's got SWAT. Um, all three of those are really great hardcore or hardcore adjacent bands. Um, definitely fell back down the have heart rabbit hole, um, after listening to a bunch of fiddlehead. So yeah, both really good bands. Fiddlehead is Pat Flynn, the vocalist from Have Heart, as well as Alex Henry from Basement playing guitar. Uh, great kind of 90s, again, hardcore adjacent music. And then there's Have Heart, which is probably the, if not, if they're not the greatest hardcore band, they're at least in the top three. Just really good, really good straight edge Boston, bare bones, hop in the pit kind of hardcore. Um, For sure. Yeah, I spent a lot of time with that. A little bit of Cro-Mag, a uh, little bit of Cro-Mags, a little bit of Dead Kennedys. Cro-Mags? I'm ex- I'm I'm surprised about the Cro-Mags. Yeah, um shout out to Axe to Grind podcast, uh the hardcore podcast. Um Cro-Mags gets brought up at least once an episode and I felt like a poser listening to them and knowing a bunch of hardcore but never having really dive, like listened to Cro-Mags, so popped in, listened to them, all that like if you're into aggressive, heavy, hardcore, that uh, everything that Dan and I have just listed, listed is the way to go. Like a lot of that kind of traditional hardcore. Um, so that was the past probably month up until this past week. Um, we had a couple of 70 degree days down here in Nashville, like sunny, bright, driving with the windows down. The humidity hasn't hit yet, so you can really kind of hang out outside and enjoy the sunshine. So the two biggest bands that have been dominating my listening for the past week have been A Loss for Words and Newfound Glory. Like just straight up solid band, straight up pop punk, sugary, sweet, tuned up vocals, sing along, big choruses like, man, 
Newfound Glory's Sticks or Stones is a masterpiece. And I'm going to take, I'm going to, I'm I'm going into the hot take chamber for this one. Okay. Okay. I think Newfound Glory's album Sticks and Stones might be better than Dookie by Green Day. Ooh, that's a hot take. You know, when I originally texted you to record this week, I was like, let's come up with music hot takes. But I think we might have to save that for a different episode because I don't, I, you know, I can't think of any music hot takes that I have, <laughs> at least at this moment. Yeah. I think the only, I think a major music hot take that I have is, and I think this goes, this isn't just music related. This is just life in general. Um, there's no such thing as guilty pleasure pleasures. You should just like what you like without trying to feel, have other people influence it and make you feel bad for liking shit that you like. Yeah. That's one of the, that's one of the big things that you and I have connected on for, and basically our entire friendship, like the idea of guilty pleasures. I don't think that's, I don't think that's much of a hot take though. That's not, I don't think that's a super hot take, but it's still like even, even peers that you and I have, like people that we are close friends with we still know a bunch of people that will be like, oh yeah, this is my, this is my guilty pleasure, man. No. <laughs> like if you like something, you like it. And man, uh, fuck what anybody else thinks. Like I love Dua Lipa and I love bro. listening to <laughs> how fucking good is Dua Lipa. <laughs> she's great. Even though she's getting sued. <laughs> she, she's getting, everybody's getting fucking sued because everybody's using the yeah. same chord progressions and shit. Like, that's how it goes, but man, yeah, uh, yeah, no, no shade to anybody who's into Dua Lipa. That man, levitating is. There is a reason why that is like a massive, massive, massive song. That she's she's got hits, and you know what? I'm here for it. I I enjoy it, and I like listening to Dua Lipa as much as I like listening to um like turnstile like I, you know yeah. like i just enjoy good music there, good music is good music amen fucking amen um but yeah no but speaking of hardcore yeah go for it oh go ahead no i was i was just gonna say like I, a, a, a bunch of that a bunch of that sugary sweet kind of like pop stuff has been creeping up as well with the warmer southern months um man if 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 you haven't listened to the call by the backstreet boys Tell me that that entire song isn't as hype or more hype than your favorite hardcore band's best breakdown. Like, I mean, if it slapped the Backstreet Boys, Backstreet Boys are fucking good. If it slaps, it slaps. Just it, it is what it is. It's so good. Yes. Um, speaking of hardcore, I've also been listening to that new Vein album. Um, you know, and I mentioned it earlier this year. I was like, this is an album I think is going to be very interesting and people should pay attention to. And, you know, things happen. I forget about I forget about my recommendations. I forget about certain things. Um, I forgot about this until there was then this this like controversy thing that happened. Controversy in uh New Mexico that happened. Um, and it kind of made me re-listen to it. And I was like, oh, well, this came out today. Let me let me check this out. And you know, if you're into really heavy, really, I, I don't want to say it's sloppy. It's not sloppy by any means. It's very cleanly produced. But if you're into that kind of like, if I had to describe this to a normie, I would say like Slipknot vibe. You should listen to this album. I would agree. To put it, in, to put it into the lowest common denominator. 
we're not going to do a album song track by track to this one because I don't think we can really speak to this one and do it justice yeah. the way that we want to do it. Um, but I just wanted to highlight that. Yeah, so they had a little bit of a controversy. It seems like a non-troversy at this point. Uh, seems like seems like some uh, some mosh beef that went awry, and you know you're in the you're in the southwest of the country, and there were guns involved and a lot of back and forth and weirdness and it all kind of dropped like all of this came to light during the album release you know the peak of the album release so it's something that people have been talking about from where i'm standing it seems like nothing there was a mic stand that was apparently broken at a show and you know that became a thing i guess who knows yeah i mean there's a lot of apparently somebody hit a girl like somebody accused vane or like the other band of hitting a girl and like there's nothing that has been made public like they were like well if you have proof of that then just show us like did, if it actually happened like we want to know just show us and Nobody has done it. There's, it's sounds like a venue that booked a hardcore show, didn't realize it was going to be a little chaotic, and they're just mad about it. Yeah. Um, apparently, a mic stand broke, like you said, and they were like, hey, you got to pay for that. And I mean, I don't know what level Vane is at at this point, but I can imagine they have managers and they are part of a booking agency there there's different people different people's money's involved you know and not saying i mean yeah you could just pay $20 for a mic stand resolve everything but also it's it's not just their money it's not just their decision yeah it's tough um cuz i mean Managers take 20%, booking takes, let's say, 20% or whatever. Somebody else takes a cut. I mean, that leaves Vane with, let's say, 40% of what they make from that show, plus like merch sales or whatever. Yeah. I mean, whatever. Not a big deal. But I, what I will say about it is, and I said this to somebody else, there's always been this lore with hardcore where the thing about hardcore, and I think the the thing that attracts people to hardcore the most is the violent aspect to it. People like to see violence and see that kind of thing. And the thing about hardcore is it's, it's a genre with so many lores, so many rumors. It's built on those rumors. Like, yo, I heard this band beat up a kid for out being outside smoking a cigarette i heard this people like did this and like there's so many of those inside stories of like you don't know what is real or what's not real yeah. and it builds up a legend of this band and i think it's just a continuation of that and i think it's conveniently it happened the day of their album release yeah and i think i think that's part of the i think that's kind of where i land on this whole thing is like that is the detrimental aspect of the internet and the ease with which people can talk about these kind of things like the the positive the positive side of that like ease of access right is access to the bands access to the knowledge knowing that the record's coming out or that they're uh, the band's playing a secret show or whatever you know you have access to those things the downside is that 
when things like this happen, everybody treats it like they're a CNN anchor and it's all over Twitter and it's all like, like everything gets one blown out of proportion as soon as it happens. And two, like nobody knows what the actual facts are. And that can be detrimental to, like you were saying, one of the founding tenements of hardcore is that it's an extreme form of music and there's ridiculous shit that happens at those shows and around those bands and those people. So you you end up with a situation like this where everything seems messy for 24 to 48 hours. And now that we're past that window, we're looking at this whole thing that happened with Vane. It was a huge thing on, you know, the hardcore and the metalcore subreddits and Twitter was blowing up about it and everything else. And now we're more than 48 hours removed. And it's like, well, that was a thing. So yeah. like, it's not even I mean, really, it was. A, it's not even really like lore building anymore. Now, every, like it's, it's becoming easier and easier to get burned down on those kind of things. So the things that don't matter seem like they really matter for a while and then they disappear. And the things that do matter are getting buried by things that don't. So it's one of those things that like critical thinking skills really need to come into play with a lot of that kind of stuff, which is why when you and I talked about it off the podcast a couple of days ago, it was like, <laughs> neither of us knew what was going on. It was just kind of like, yeah, it's, is we'll see how this goes. Yeah. And I mean, <coughs> I was following it mostly for the memes because there were some, I mean, hardcore subreddit was popping off with really funny memes associated yeah. with it. So that's, that's what I was, that's what I, why I was really following it for all of the two hours that I did. I mean, I lost interest pretty quick. Um, I think I want to talk about Turnstile, and I mean, we've talked about them before, but they have gotten to different levels of success being on late night talk show hosts like Jimmy Kimmel and what was the other one? Seth Meyers? Yeah. Uh, before we launch into that, I do want to I do want to say one more thing about the uh, the the Vane album. Um, I do want to. Oh yeah, because you you had some opinions about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I I do. I won't bore everybody with like my full opinions, and I've only listened through the record maybe twice. Uh, but one of the things that struck me. Um, I can't even tell you the song names because I'm not super super familiar with it yet. Uh, the big thing that stood out to me. Um, it's definitely more on the metalcore side of things than like traditional hardcore. Um, there's definitely those industrial elements, which is why, you know, it makes perfect sense that you would say Slipknot, Dan, like as an analog. Yeah. Uh, the thing that I, that stood out to me when I was listening through the record again today, um, this is the band that Of Mice and Men thought they were. Ooh. Like, there's definitely some parts that I heard where I was like, okay, there's that like, there's that more technical, that metal side of things, that like little bit of a new metal tinge to things that's still very very rooted and based in hardcore but like of mice and men had those first two albums that were very like warped tour scene metalcore kind of things but you could tell that they were pushing to do something a little bit outside of you know just another another warped tour metalcore band right right I mean, what they did instead was go to the lowest common denominator and turn it into butt yeah, rock. Yeah, they, they they went. Which, I mean, they went straight down like the Nickelback stained like path eventually. Which which I mean, I can't fault them for that. I mean, I've never been a uh, a fan of of Mice of Men, but I mean. Go get your bag. Yeah. And of, uh, but like of Mice and I Men, mean, definitely you could hear in some of the songs that they put out on those first two full lengths 
like there was a there was a drive to find something outside of the box that they were painted in from the time that they kind of came out and stuff like you could see that there was a little bit more experimentation that they were trying to go for and Vane it's not like Vane picks up there like there's not that like good cop bad cop vocals and that kind of deal but like right instrumentally yeah. especially but there's a couple of vocal moments where it's just like oh like if my if of mice and men had really gone in like a more challenging route if they had been willing to like push their listeners to like go for something different they could have very they could have very easily ended up where this vein record is with like really interesting complex instrumentation under the guise of that like metalcore hardcore quote unquote genre um and like congrats to vein for doing that like that is that's what i was always when I was paying attention to Of Mice and Men, especially during, again, those first two full lengths, it was like, there's something here that I'm attracted to, and I like where this could head. And then by the time album three came around, it was just like, yeah, there's, you guys are simultaneously retreading old ground while also moving your sound in a direction that I'm, uh, my ears are not tuned to. Um, For and sure. Vane is, Vane is definitely doing the opposite, where it's just like, I can see where this could have very easily become Of Mice and Men. 2.0 or like rise core warped tour metal core kind of thing and instead they got weird with it and took the like of mice and men also did a little bit of a slipknot kind of deal but they took the like commercial you know trying to write the big chorus opulist sides of slipknot whereas vein is taking the weirdo song structure kind of parts of slipknot and that industrial side and doing something cool with it so yeah the the new vein record is fucking awesome and if you're into heavy music you should listen to that for sure anyway um, style. what i yeah what i alluded to earlier turnstile has has we've talked about them before we you've seen some pretty they've gotten some crazy press recently um i mean really good press i mean seeing them on seth meyers jimmy kimmel those are two huge you know late night shows and as a fan of Turnstile and also a fan of hardcore music, I'm happy about that. I think that's a fantastic thing, and it's just giving more exposure to that band as well as bands. It's only going to make everyone better. Like, what I said about Machine Gun Kelly, hey, he he may not be the re, like the example of pop punk, but it rises everyone else up. And I have seen some pushback from hardcore fans who would prefer to gatekeep turnstile and not want them to be on a bigger audience slash more people exposed to that kind of music. And I just want to say that's bullshit. Yeah. Let's like, I, you know, if you talked to me 10 years ago, I'd probably be in the camp of, yeah, we need to gatekeep these bands. We can't let other people know, but you can't, if you care about music and you care about a genre, you got to let other people in to a scene. And there's, and the thing that's occurred to me when it comes to those kind of conversations, I, I agree. Like the gatekeeping and the, you know, name three songs or like you're a poser if you don't know this band and you're showing up or like you're just now getting into turnstile or whatever. I don't, I don't agree with or identify with those kind of sentiments really anymore. Um, I think, I think starting college we both 
had those similar opinions. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I was v- like violently against people, you know, trying to claim whatever, like X band was their favorite band when I knew more about them. And, you know, I had all the demos and the bootlegs and the everything else. And that's a bunch of, uh, that's teenage bullshit. Um, but I think, I think there's also like a, there's a tactful way to, indulge that tribalism right so the same way when people talk about politics it's you have to vote with your dollar right you have to put your money where your mouth is you have to use your vote you have to you know you have to use the voice that you're given if you feel that like gatekeeping tendency, that's totally understandable with a band like Turnstile because they come from the hardcore realm and there's a community and there's a space that feels like our space. And for Turnstile to blow up the way that they have, yeah, you don't want, you know, if you're a if you're earlier in your college career or you're in high school and you're a hardcore kid and you're like, well, I don't want, you know, I don't want the jocks on the football team to be listening to my music because it's mine and it's my special thing. Cool. I get that. Buy tickets, buy merch, go to a show, support the band financially. And the big part of that is go to the show, hop in the pit because turnstile, like turnstile is getting to this point where there's going to be, I think they're at a point where there's going to be this crossover appeal and they're going to start playing bigger bigger and bigger festivals like higher up on the list or they're going to have I mean we're already seeing it or they're go- I mean they're playing they're playing Coachella and they're also opening for My Chemical Romance I was Romance just going to say they're going to open for My Chemical Romance on a literal stadium tour that's huge find a way to get to the gig and when you get to the gig if you're lucky enough to be in like a GA section oof open up a pit get involved like the if you're so worried about the normies right the normies aren't going to hop in the pit with you like that no they're not go and show that you're interested and like buy the merch buy the records buy tickets go to a show and like mark your territory that way because not only does that influence the band but there's also going to be a bunch of those people that show up to that show that are not expecting that kind of thing and you can kind of introduce them to hey this is what this lifestyle looks like and that's people are still going to show up turnstile is still going to be a big thing they're still going to have that crossover appeal but you're going to get to that point where it's like you you in a as long as you're not like crowd killing and shit right you're marking your territory right and you're stating physically and in some ways financially like this is mine these are my people this is my scene this is my everything like there's a way to deal with those feelings and getting on Twitter and complaining about turnstile playing bigger shows or avoiding their bigger shows because they're so big that you're not doing anybody any favors. You're just being a child. So yeah, get, I remember, I'll, I'll remember case in point. I remember when the wonder years, they, I mean, they were my favorite band throughout high school. I remember when they, I didn't end up going to this show, but they opened for the Day to Remember All Time Low show, like that Mm -hmm. tour that went through like to massive stadiums. I remember being so stoked for that. I was like, hell yeah, that's really cool. I don't know if I'm going to pay that much to, to go see them to play three songs. I remember seeing Basement play opening up for Weezer. That's another one of those examples. Like I, Basement are are one of my favorite bands. I wanted to see them. And sure, Basement is on a smaller scale than Turnstile right now, but it's like that same kind of thing. I saw Basement play at MSG. That was one of the sickest things I've ever seen. Yeah, massive. Um, 
Another point is you can't gatekeep something that wasn't yours to begin with. Well, and that's one that's that's just a thing that I think comes with age for a lot of people is especially especially when you're younger and you find your thing. Like for me, for a long time, it was brand new. Um, Banna to a certain extent, like Balance and Composure. Like there were a lot of my favorite bands where when I was younger, it was like, this is my thing. And I get it because it feels so hyper-personal when something hits you the right way that it makes you feel like it's just you again, and that artist. Again, community. That's been like the overarching theme of this episode. Yeah. We didn't even pl- We didn't even plan this theme for the episode but we kind of just this is just kind of where we uh, landed yeah (laughs) it's kind of interesting um but yeah you just want to be part of that community and i get it but you know like the people who are gonna stay they're going to stay and the people who you know they just like a couple songs here and there they're gonna like a couple songs here and there like I like a few songs from Dua Lipa. I wouldn't consider myself going to a show, but I don't think anyone's going to gatekeep Dua Lipa from me. Exactly. And that's the thing. I Well, and I think that's the thing for like, a lot of a lot of the kids that are especially those that are into the alternative scenes because they get so worked up about those kind of things like the way that you feel about your favorite band right if there's some like if there's some 13 to 16 year old kid that is like obsessed with turnstile and turnstile is their thing right the way that they feel about turnstile somebody feels that way about Dua Lipa or Billie Eilish or Hell, dude, Miley Cyrus, name name a big ass celebrity. There's probably there's probably kids that feel that way about Kim fucking Kardashian, like the biggest celebrity on the planet, and they're like, no, like Kim is mine. Like it's not different. The thing the thing that yeah the thing that you're gonna realize eventually is it's not yours. You're not unique in feeling that way about a thing, but that opens you up to being part of a community. And I think that was that was the light bulb moment for me was the community part of it like when you re- when you find the right people and you find the people that are interested in the same thing as you and all of a sudden it becomes less about this is my thing and i feel so protective because i identify with this thing this way eventually you're going to sit back and be like wow look at the friends and look at the connections that i made because i was a fan of this thing and we all built something together like that's what makes you part of the fan base and that gives you a little bit of an obligation right to support the thing that you love Right. That's the cool part about doing this shit. And that's the cool part about being involved in the punk scene. And actually, my last point for this topic of conversation, perfect example, someone we've already mentioned on the episode, one of my best friends of all time, Sean Harkins. Sean's not a big music kid. He's an RN up at Mass General Hospital. He played football in high school. He and I became friends initially because we were part of the same Boy Scout troop. Sean has fallen head over heel in love with the Menzingers. And if he had done that in high school, if we were like, if I had been a huge fan of the Menzingers for years and years, and then in high school, Sean was like, wow, I really kind of like this in high school. It probably would have been, I probably would have had that feeling of like, well, you know, the Menzingers are mine. Like that's my thing. Right. And it becomes a competition even amongst the fans of that particular band or artist and nobody really wins everyone fucking loses and then you get to the point where you realize that it's part of being a community and like welcoming people in and making sure that more people hear about the thing that you love so that those guys can continue making music that you love and stuff so when sean 
through one means or another. I think I introduced him to the Menzingers. Maybe he maybe he just got it through osmosis. I don't know. But Sean came to me and was like, right. man, after the party, just front to back, fucking incredible album. It was like, fuck yeah, dude. Like, let's go to a show. When are they playing? He texts me all the time when he's listening to them. He's gone to a couple of their shows in Boston and he loves them. Like, that's the, it, like, the whole part, the whole thing about this is that you're supposed to be making friendships and, like, supporting your bands. So just do that. And I think that's a good way to end this topic. Yeah. Um, do we have any recommendations to uh, to talk about? I think... That you- Go go back and listen to all the bands that we mentioned for the past however long we've been talking. We've got there's plenty of recommendations to be found right here. You know what? I think you're right, and um, this is a good time as any to uh, leave it off. Oh yeah, this has been a hefty episode and um, a good way to get back into the swing of things. And promise we won't take this long of absence. Yeah, again. we got a couple of ideas for some uh, for some future episodes, so we'll keep you guys apprised. Make sure that you uh, follow us and interact with us on our social media. We're at, at yeah, at Packy Run Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Um, anchor.fm forward slash Packy Run is the link if you want to send us to one of your friends, uh, but we're also available pretty much anywhere podcasts or consumed so yeah like subscribe and um if you have any ideas also hit us up we're also open yeah, to that too. we'll be reaching out to you guys about some uh some more fan interactive kind of deals so keep your eyes peeled for that and we'll talk to you next time see you later peace